listener production. Hello and welcome to Willow Talk for another week. Adam Peacock with you here today. Brad Haddon, as always. Hads, how are you? Welcome, Adam. We've got a good guest here today, Dan Christian. Just got him off the golf course, which is good to see, Dan. How'd you go at DC? the uh, Pro-Am? Had a great day up at the Pro-Am. Thanks for having me, guys. I, I enjoyed coming on a couple of weeks ago, so yeah, nice to be here. Pro-Am well, was a good day. Well, Hads about to get his passport out, which means we won't see him for about eight months. So um, you're going to be a bit of a regular, hopefully, uh, if you're okay with that. So yep, sounds good. Hads, you okay with that? Like for like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are near the door again today, Mate, I see. Anyway. I, I tell you what I have got, though, and yeah. it's growing fast. Okay. You, you know how I like my trucker caps. Once yeah. again, I've gone to the collection, and this one's quite funny, from forever funny, and it was quite funny. So... They gave me a trucker cap. Yeah. And what they said, <laughs> they said the trucker caps don't fit. The sun's got its size of a pumpkin for a head. Yeah. So they went and made you another one. Thank you. So it'll fit. Tell me if that fits. Okay. I'll give it Keep a sending them in. We're happy with our trucker caps. It does fit, actually. Yeah. They Again, said, it's on the last rung. Well, you know what they said? Yeah. He's got the head the same size of a pumpkin. <laughs> Pumpkin. Pumpkin. Whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. It doesn't have two ends in it. Wait, your, so your head does. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, keep them coming in. I've got a great selection of trucker caps at the moment. You do. You do. And a nice bit of cash going in uh, to your yeah. bank account each week for Thanks very funny sales on in your head <laughs> as well. Um, DC, there you go. This is what you get when you come in here. You get the piss taken out of you. So. I reckon I've had 15 sent to me. Mm. This looks like it's a financial company as well. Mate, I work through them. I work through them all. Just spreading the love Best ever, this guy. He's not bad, is he? Mm. I need uh, I need to go the other way with hats, though. I've got a I've got a pinhead, so I need the. Um... <laughs> Let's go to Steve Smith's hat. Yeah, yeah. His, his hats tend to fit me. Here we go. Closer this, than anyone. <laughs> this episode, uh, we're going to recap Australia's clean sweep over in New Zealand in the T20s or the T10. That was the last one, and update our rolling T20 World Cup squad. Well, Hads will. He's rolling one. DC will bring you in as well and get your thoughts on your 15-man squad for the uh, T20 World Cup, which is just a couple of months away on the other side of the IPL. We're going to re- review the fourth test between India and England, look at the 50-over domestic finals on the weekend, finish with our risers and fallers as well. And as always, thanks to those who follow and subscribe to the show. We've hit a major target, 300 ratings on Spotify, way ahead of schedule. We're going to try for the 334 the famous number in Australian cricket uh, before the clocks go back in just over a month. We're also on 98 ratings on Apple. So close to three figures. Don't forget, you can watch Willow Talk on YouTube, get in contact with us on social media, slide into our DMs, of course, on Instagram and TikTok, like a certain Matthew Hayden has. Gents, um, about your story about Ricky Ponting dropping that catch as well, which was well told, I must be said. Uh, Without Mayo, this one was actually what happened. Hados, he said, punter never dropped catches. He was so bloody good. So suck shit is all I'll say. <laughs> he is human after all. Hados, gone back to the old 13, 14-year-old sledge. Suck shit. So uh, there you go. Thank you for that. Uh, and being in our 90s in the Apple ratings, guys, who was the worst sufferer of the nervous 90s that you ever saw in your career? The guy who got the jitters the most on the cusp of three figures. Were you two, big, two oh, good hits, two good hits? I've thought about it. A couple of times I've done it. Tried to do it a test match actually against uh, South Africa. Mm. A couple of fours and sixes in the over and thinking, oh, I'm one good hit away here. <laughs> this is a hundred at the whack. It would be under pressure stumped. They <laughs> <laughs> say, what were you like? Uh, not great either. Yeah. I think I, I only got five first class hundreds and I think I've got, I think I've got six or seven nineties. It's so stupid though when you think about it. Like it, take a step back from the personal achievement. 
But like in the context of a game, especially a two innings game, you're only talking like five or six runs either side of triple figures. It's not going to materially affect the the result, but it can ruin your, oh, not career, but can ruin your day and make you think about it for a long time. Even though it's it's only a number, it's only plucked out. Yeah, of it's not anyway. only a number. No, it's, it's not, not like ninety four yeah. and ninety six are, are tough numbers. Okay. Because you're thinking, oh, I'm just one good hit away. If they bring this off spinner on, I can get him over <laughs> midweek and all of a sudden you've top-edged it. We've all been there. Well, I haven't. But, yeah, I, I can kind of get it by watching on that it means a bit. Yeah, I mean, And it can ruin careers. Can? Well, if someone looks back at your career and, or, you know, towards the end and says, oh, he's only scored 300s, they mm. never go, oh, he scored 796s. <laughs> right, <laughs> numbers. Speaking of numbers, 3-0, that's a pretty good number. Australia over New Zealand in that T20 series. What did you take away from it, mainly, Hads? What I took away from it is New Zealand panicked a little bit playing against a top-quality team. Um, they dropped a lot of catches. They, they were in every game, uh, and they could have won the, the first two, but it, it was their feeling that let them down. And, and what that says to me is the pressure that Australia create. Playing against a team like Australia, you've got to take those half chances because if you don't, they'll dominate the game. And, and New Zealand just come up a little bit short on the little things in the game that make a difference. Yeah, they. Uh, I think just that quality all the way down the Aussie list just put a little bit of pressure on the on the New Zealand guys, particularly that second game. I watched a lot of that second game at Eden Park, and it was interesting watching how the Aussie guys batted. They just kept going. Yep. They kept going and going and going. It looked mm. like they were going to get 250 at one stage and scratched to only 170-odd, I think it was, but yep. then just that pressure mm. just put it straight back on the New Zealanders and, and you know, they couldn't handle it. But what about, though, I, I like the style they're playing. They're, they've, they've got a game style now. They're going to go hard for the 20 overs, and that'll suit conditions once it gets to the Caribbean. But no matter what you get, with this bowling attack where you've got Camo, Hazelwood, Stark, Zampa, that if they're not playing, all of a sudden Spencer Johnson's starting to really make a name for himself. Ellis is a really good role player in that team. But no matter what they get, they can defend. Yeah. Adam Zampa, we spoke about him after the first game when they went after him in New Zealand. His role in the second game, conversely, is that where he comes into his own and, and we've got a really good look at how valuable he'll be on those wickets, those yeah. decks in the Caribbean? Because if Australia set any kind of total, they think, oh, we can get after Zampa here and it might not work out for him. I think he's the most important player in the team. We, we've seen that in the 50-over World Cup. We seen it leading into the tournament when, when teams went after Adam Zampa and got hold of him, all of a sudden mm. the result was different. It, it'd be interesting to see once the squads get named, but I'd like to carry a couple more spinners. So if he's having one of those days where they do go after him, you've got someone else to, to bowl and they got Maxwell and Short in the squad there now. But you, you need to give Adam Zampa a bit of protection because if you're planning to play against Australia, as mm. soon as he gets a ball in his hand, you're taking the risk to go after him. Yeah, I think so too because, as you say, as soon as you put Zamps under pressure, yep. it, makes it, it makes it a lot easier for not just the guys – you know, out there batting, if the guys in the dugout see that, you know, you're taking down their best bowler or their most important bowler in that middle period, yeah, it just can completely change the innings. I had said it before about um, the the power that it looks like Australia is going to rely on so much, and you you look at most of them and they can clear fences, any fence in the world. How much tinkering can you do in T20 with T20 tactics? They say you've played an absolute stack of it around the world, and Australia relying on this with the caliber of players that they've got is obviously pretty clearly defined. Yeah, tactically, what? how many ways can you go about it these days? It all depends on your conditions and what your wickets are playing like, I think. Okay. I think in Australian BBL cricket is sort of completely different to anywhere else in the world because our grounds are so much bigger. 
So you can't just go out and blast as much as what you can say in New Zealand where they're playing at the cake thing in Wellington where it's, mm. you know, 60 meter boundaries and, um, over in the West Indies, the grounds are quite small too, as probably will be the ones in the U S that they're going to play on. So I think that style of cricket being able to come out and just go bullet a gate and, and mm. have a, have a really long batting lineup that can just keep going and going and going. I think that'll work well on those, on those smaller kind of grounds. And that's the beauty of having someone like David at, at number seven and then even into your bowling attack like Cummins and Stark. Cummins has got a fantastic record with the bat, yeah. particularly in IPL cricket. So having him being able to come in if, if he has to with mm. three, four overs to go, it's a real luxury for the top order. They can just keep slogging. I've been wondering, and you've played all around the, the world, DC, and you've played a similar role at times in teams that Tim David's playing. So we look at the Hurricanes and, and there's a lot of talk about, oh, let's get him up the order, but... To me, he's going to be the X factor for us in those last four overs. But from a training point of view, he can simplify his training. He knows exactly what's coming for him. With a player like that, you say, you know what? He's in the team as a role player and we're not going to try to push him up to four or five. This is your role. What, what, what do you do there? Yeah, I think that's I think that's the best way to play guys like that. Yep. It's just so it's, it, it keeps it really simple for them. I know I did a, a lot of a similar kind of role where you sort of held back till. 14, 15, 16 overs yep. when there's 30-odd balls left and then you're only probably going to face half, maybe maybe two-thirds of those balls. So the maximum balls you're probably going to make face is probably 20. You give two or, give yourself two or three to get in and then you go and you just got to try and finish that innings off. And we, we spoke about this the other day, Adam, and with someone like Tim David now, so planning for the game, there's a lot of analytics in, involved and you've done it as well as most. So he goes to the computer and says, okay, I'm facing Bolt not worried about whether he swings the ball up the top, whether he uses his bouncer. You're looking at the last two overs and his numbers might change it. He, he might say, okay, he bowls 70% slower balls. I can set up for that. But then you can plan really clearly on what you're trying to do. Yeah, big time. You look at the guys and who bowls more slower balls than any other, what kind of slower ball it is, whether they're a wide Yorker bowler, whether they're a straight Yorker bowler, whether they're going to miss full, whether they're going to miss short. You know things like that. Obviously, then you you've got all that in the back of your mind, but then you're also taking a lot yeah. of the a lot of the information that the other guys are bringing back about the way the wicket plays. But yeah, it's a good way to plan. That third game in New Zealand, basically a T10 in the end, is that a factor as well when you you have to realign what you're trying to do? It's already short enough, and the World Cup at some point you'd imagine one of our games is going to be rain affected. Hopefully, only one, maybe more. I don't know what the monsoonal conditions are like in a Caribbean summer. But is that something to help plan, or is it just everything goes out the window when a, a, a T20 gets shortened? I think you can plan a little bit for it, but you don't have to do too much. It might be a case of just making sure that someone like Glenn Maxwell faces most of those yeah. most yeah. of those ten overs. You know, your best, your absolute best strikers, similar to similar to how you might plan for a. Um, for a super over, if you mm. get in that situation, you know, you want your guys that can go out and hit the ball 360 and go from ball one, which, you know, you've got Glenn Maxwell and, and Tim David, you're probably, probably your two best in those kind of situations. Do you rest your captain, by the way, on 100%. that one? Mitch Marsh? Yep. Why? 100%. you got to plan for everything. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Marsh has had a huge summer. And we, we know he's had a lot of injury history and he's going to be a huge player in the in, in the test match. Yep, you, you go in and he's done really well, won the series, but you've got to plan for these things. And this is a great opportunity to have a look at Steve Smith at the top of the order, give Matty Shaw to a go at number three. He's been the, the best player in the Big Bash for the last two years. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's a big deal. And, and you've got to plan for these type of scenarios. So it's a great opportunity when you're 2-0 up. 
Who's your best captain you've played under and you, we mentioned your tracksuits when you were on? Or <laughs> the collection of hats that you've got around the world, yeah, DC, few, T20 few, franchises. Few, Who's the best captain you've… A uh, few tracksuits. Uh, Michael Clark's probably the best captain yeah. I've played under. Oh, really? Yeah, he was my he was my first Australian captain. And just the, just the way that he made me feel as a player when first coming into that team, it, it, it really made me feel like… I was meant to be there. I, I earned the position. And then the way he went about it tactically, mm. he was he was absolutely brilliant, I thought. Yeah. It, I mean, he obviously didn't do what he did to Shane Watson in that video we put up on the Willow Talk <laughs> Instagram <laughs> with the, <laughs> the run out hats. But um, yeah, did, does Clark, obviously Michael Clark is still in the news for various things and also his opinion on cricket. But is it a little bit forgotten about how good a captain he was tactically? Well, I, I, well, that, not to the people that played the game. Tactically, where, where do you, Michael was really good at? He, he, he was always trying to think two steps ahead, and, and there was never any dead air in a game. And he, he wasn't afraid to to try things he, if he needed to bowl a uh, part time bowler just to for two overs or even little things. What what he did with Mitch Johnson, he mm. said to Mitch, "Mate, don't worry about swinging the ball. I just need you to bowl fast and hurt people." So that, all of a sudden that cleared Mitch's vision and, and we've seen what happened there. The best captain I played under, Clark was very, very good tactically, but for the leader of men was Ricky Poninese. Mm. The, the, the way he could communicate with every different person in the team. And he, you got to remember, he had this great Australian team that he kept challenged to get better and better. Then they all retired at once and he inherited a, a group of myself, Ryan Harris, Siddle, Clark or Clark had been there a while, but he had to find ways to communicate with us. He couldn't say the same things to, to Chris Rogers that he did to uh, Matthew Hayden. So the, the way he made everyone feel, but the way he could communicate with every different person was uh, was the best trait I've seen the captain. Is that you sucking up because um, you called him out for that drop catch? Well, he did drop week. the catch. <laughs> <laughs> he dropped a sitter. <laughs> you got any Ricky Ponting stories, DC? I opened the bowling in an IPL game one day at him and Sachin. <laughs> what? Yeah, at Bangalore. They were both opening the batting for Mumbai. How'd you go? No, it was, like, wasn't at Bangalore, was it? Yeah, it was at Bangalore. Oh. Yeah. And I got I got panned everywhere. <laughs> As I should have. I was a medium pace to take the new ball against two of the greatest ever. So you, you, you've been chucked. Who was your captain that day? I think it was Virat. Okay, so Virat's gone. DC, do this. I believe in what you. What was the theory? Go. Take the pace off it? Yeah, it must have been. Swing or just it. like maybe try and burn the early over. <laughs> get, get the ball old. Yeah, yeah. Who are yeah. you more nervous bowling to? Oh, just, yeah, it didn't matter. Like, it didn't I was, matter. Just, was like, the Bangalore yeah. boundary is about as big as this table. <laughs> and the wicket's, and the wicket's amazing. <laughs> and the wicket's like it as well. So, so if yeah. you go for 14 and over, you're happy? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know what I went for. I can't remember what I went for. But, yeah, that was um, – I was pretty nervous that day. Let me tell you. I would have been too. Far out. What was Virat like <laughs> as a captain? He was really good. This would have been early in his yeah, kind of leadership. Yeah, very early. Yeah. I loved playing with him. He's very much an Aussie yeah. in terms of the way he goes about it on the field. He's a, like a bit of a bulldog on the field. Everyone aggressive. sees what he's like. He's very yeah. aggressive on the field. But then off the field, he's, you know, just one of the boys and he's at the bar having a drink and enjoying himself. And But yeah, on the field, he's, he's, he's brilliant and he's always looking for that attacking option as well. He, he was actually... He evolved a lot in his captaincy. He looked to me whether he's a really emotional captain and he, and he got the crowd involved. But in the end, he, he played a lot level than what he did to start with. Emotionally, just used to go with the game. But once he 
start on that level. He's mm. technically he was very good, and he hated losing. That yeah. that was his best trait. He hated to lose, and especially to us. Yeah, well, we've got some good IPL stories, I think, on the way with DC mm. uh, <laughs> the next couple of months when you're off on your sojourn <laughs> over there to teach uh, cricketers how to play cricket. Has now uh, let's get to our rolling eleven, the World Cup squad as well. So Hads, you fronted up. I think it was a couple of weeks yep. ago with your your first eleven. And then a couple of reserves. Have you have you changed at all after the New Zealand series? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, so I go through them one to one yeah, to fifteen. Yeah, the, the reason I've changed is if they're injured now, mm. um, they're out of my squad. Um, they can m- make their way back into it with IPL. But so Mar- an Aaron Hardy, is he injured? Well, he missed the Marsh Cup final on the weekend with injury. So well, well he's he's not considered, and Stoinis is not considered. Okay. So I've got Head Warner, Marsh, Maxwell, Wade, David, Zampa. Camo, Stark, Hazelwood, mm. and my bench is Inglis. No, I haven't. Inglis, yeah. Sanger, yeah. Tenby, Sanger, because I yep. want another spinner. Um, Ellis, because I want a point of difference with my fast bowlers. Mm. And I've kept Steve Smith because he can go from one to seven and cover all bat in. And my number five, yeah. with Stoinis out injured at the moment and Hardy, mm. Matt Short. Okay. That's the name I couldn't read. I'm surprised you can read that. That's doctor's writing, that is. <laughs> Impressive being able to read your own writing. But there you go. So Matt Short in at five after uh, a pretty good performance in that shortened game, the third of the series against New Zealand. Uh, DC, you can't come into this studio having played cricket at the top level and not give us your 15 as well. Can't so here we go. In. Okay. <laughs> can't put yourself in. <laughs> <laughs> pretty similar to Hades. I've yeah. gone Head, Warner, Marsh, Maxwell, yeah. Inglis at five, Wade at six, yeah. David seven, the three big boys come and Stark, Hazelwood, and Zampa. Okay. And then my four on the bench, Smith. Mm-hmm. I've got either Ashton Agar or Matt Kuhneman because I want a left arm orthodox. Good choice. Depending on if Agar's fit at that stage, but at the moment he is because he bowled all right yesterday in the... Uh, Marsh Cup final, mm-hmm. Nathan Ellis as the fast bowling reserve and Matt Short as the all-rounder reserve. Okay. So no Sanger for you and you've gone no Agar and or Kuhneman for you. Yeah. That's- and the reason for that is I think Zampa, as we said, we've spoken a lot about him. He's outstanding. We're going to see teams target him. So I want options. Uh, and I think Sanger's a different type of to spinner to all the others. You've got Matt Short. You've got Maxwell who can play a role. I like the cricket smarts of Sanger. Uh, he'll, he'll go above the eye. He's got a really good wronging. Uh, he'll beat plays on flight and on the outside. But uh, I do like the option to having a left arm available over there. Okay. Well, Sanger, we'll talk about him a bit later on. Only got two overs in the Marsh Cup final. And, uh, yeah, interesting to say the least. Steve Smith, you both got him in. Yep. But not in the first 11. I mean, where exactly is he? Is he hanging by a thread or is he, for you guys, definitely in the squad because he's Steve Smith? He's definitely in my squad because he's Steve Smith. Mm. Uh, and, and can do anything. And he can do anything. And I'd like to see him get, I mean, it's going to be tough now coming into the World Cup, but I'd like to see him get a little bit more of opportunities at the top. Mm-hmm. I'm still going with Head and Warner, but I think what he's done, opening the batting in the big bash has been absolutely brilliant. Having a bit more of that experience in international cricket is only going to make him even more valuable. Yeah, the reason I've got him in the squad is because the wickets might be totally different from the start to the end. We've seen the recent series in New Zealand, and it's been great to watch. 200s playing 200s. There's there's 36s one game. Mm. 
But that might not be the case in the World Cup. As the wickets deteriorate the back end, you, you might turn up one more and you think, hang on a minute, th- this is a 150 total. It's, it's going to be one of those 2020 games where you've got to grind. Mm. We've got to run hard between wickets, manipulate the spinners, wickets in hand so David and Wade can play their their role at the top. And and then it might be, uh, okay, we, we need Smith in. We, we might not play the, the all-rounder that game and Steve Smith to just float in the batting depending on how many spinners you play. So if you, if you play um, Afghanistan um, on a wicket, say for, I don't know, in, in St. Lucia or, or somewhere that's turning massive, you, you might need Steve Smith to control the middle overs. There you go. Let's get to India and England, shall we? As we sit here right now, the result in the fourth test is not known. But let's talk one. Come on. to the points. <laughs> we're going to go into the future shortly, Hads. We're going to do something we've never done on Will I Talk. As we sit here right now, we don't know the result of that fourth test, but it's it's turned out to be another magnificent advertisement for test cricket because there's all these twists and turns within sessions, let alone days, let alone the whole match. However, how we got to where they were before the last day Joe Root's the story uh, to a point because he's obviously a listener of Willow Talk. He's taken on board <laughs> the advice of Brad Haddon and he's just gone – he's woke up one day and he, he went down to the coffee room and said, Baz, Stokesy, I just listened to Hads just before I fell asleep. I had a dream that he was actually here with us in India telling me that I just need to take, take my foot off the gas, leave the ramps back in the dressing room and bat conventionally. And he did. And look what happened. All he did was put a high price on his wicket. Mm. He's the best player in both teams there. He's got 11,000 runs. I, I think he just brought up his ninth or even more hundreds against India. He's got more than Steve Smith, the 10th actually. Mm. He's got more than Smith and Ponting. So all I want him to do was put a high price on the wicket. I, I love what Basball is bringing. Mm. And, and, and Basball has got him in this test match. They're, they're right in this test match. Yeah, so Duckett, Crawley, those guys, um, well, Bearstow to a point, they're, they're playing the same way, but well, Root the, just adjusted. The reason they're playing the same way is you just want to simplify the game. Mm. Like, like Crawley's he's averaging low 30s, Duckett's about 35, and they're, all they're trying to do is, is simplify the process for them. They're just saying play the way that's got you here. Mm. Take all the doubt out of it and, and we'll back you to, to move the game forward. So they go out there now and they've got a clear plan. Where Joe Root, you can give him three or four plans because he can play to the situation. So with how Basball's playing, Stokes has done it as well. Stokes has done it through the the ashes. At, at times he, he's dug in and then he's turned a switch when the tails come in. So mm. they're good enough to take a couple of, of roles. The, the others aren't yet. Mm. So all, all Basball's doing is just clearing their decision-making. Yeah, exactly right. And as you can see, they... Maybe Root did listen to you, but I'd like to think after 120-odd yeah. tests, he's probably just adapted. Oh, no, no. No, he's <laughs> Will I is, talk. Yep. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's high Which up on his one, rotation. Yeah, interesting about, you know, listening to Ben Duckett a couple of weeks ago oh, come yeah. out and say that, you know, we're changing the game. And we invented fast we scoring. We invented <laughs> fast scoring. I was waiting for him to come back out and say, well, we invented, like, adapting on, on difficult pitches. Yeah. The way they're playing, if they do start – just reining it back in a little yeah. bit and adapting a bit more, there can be a very, very good cricket team. Ben Duckett saying that to me was a bit like in Austin Powers when Dr. Evil said that his dad invented the question mark in Belgium or whatever it was. Like, come on, man. How can you verify that? But how can you say that's correct? Anyway. Well, but the thing about that, okay, what what Ben Duckett said, you get, you, mm. you look at it and go, oh, you didn't see Slater, Hayden, Seaway. But <laughs> if you look at it another way, McCullum's got him believing in his yeah, style, yeah, and yeah. Duckett's actually done really well since he, he's come in. And and he's he, he whether he believes that or not, and sometimes things come out of players' mouth where they, you 
you, you look at it back and think, oh, gosh, what, what have I said? <laughs> a bit carried away there. But, but at the moment, he, he's doing a really good role for, That's for what they, they yeah. want to do. It's just when um, Root and Stokes, they're better than that. They can play Stokes, all different roles. Stokes hasn't. Nah. Even back to the Ashes, even that innings at Lords, he was watchful, watchful, watchful. And when he realised he was running out of friends – to yeah. come in and help him. Yeah. That's when he went berserk. Well, he's got anyway. different gears. The others yeah. don't. The bowling performance of India, DC, I mean, I don't know how much you've uh, faced Ravi Ashwin, Kuldeep Yadav, those guys, when you've when you've been over there, but that looked like sorcery at times on yeah. that deck, that what they were coming up with. I haven't faced those blokes on on anything remotely like these wickets. I've played them mm. on on some ordinary wickets, but but nothing like this at at that level. But yeah, 53 overs. Mohamed Siraj only bowled three overs, so... The other three have rolled out 50, yeah. Ashwin, Jadeja, and Yadav. It, um, it looked like pretty hard work. And that's the the way of the, the value. And I, I've said it as well, Hads, about why I love Jadeja. He's one of my favourite cricketers because bat, good, energetic, looks like a good team man. I don't know if that's actually the case. But with the ball, he not only bowls right at the stumps, every ball, as you say, in India is an event. He makes it an event. He bowls quick. So then it allows the tempo of the game to be in the hands of India late in the day like it was at the end of day three. I, I just think he's a great cricketer. And even though the other two took the bulk of the wickets, Jardasia's role was so clear that he's invaluable because, I mean, it allows them to to try things with their bowling lineup. What it allows as well is in, in the second in someone like Cool Deep not have to worry about the scoreboard. Yeah. He can just come in and, and, and rip his leg. He used his wrong. And, and and he was the big destroyer in the second innings. He, he got four wickets. But Jadeja was always a really interesting one to talk to after a test series because all the spinners would go over and say, oh, what are you undercutting the ball? You're going over the top. He goes, oh, I just bowl at the stump. Mm. And you go, no, 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 what else do you do? He goes, I bowl at the stump. The wicket will do it. He, <laughs> you guys think it's going to do something. What about the straight one? He goes, sometimes it goes straight. <laughs> and you're out there batting. You think, is this the one that goes straight? Is that? You talk to him afterwards. He goes, what did you do with that one? He goes, I just put it on the stumps and that was the one that skid. <laughs> Have you had much to do with it? Not, no, I haven't really spoken to him off the field. Played against yeah. him a lot in, in 2020s. But, but that's what it's like. You always yeah. feel like you're under pressure facing him. Yeah, you just don't know. You just yeah. don't know what's going to happen. And you can't hit it. Like you try and punch him down the ground, you don't get any runs because he's just so <laughs> athletic and mm. yeah. It, it was interesting playing him in, in a one day series. Um, we, I, we were coaching over there, thinking, "Oh, what are they going to bowl at the end?" And I remember saying, "Just watch where Jadeja's fielding." And they go, "What do you mean? If he's at deep long off, they bowl him full at the stumps. If he's at backward square or cow corner, they're going slow and into the wicket." They go, "What do you mean? He goes everywhere where the ball's where the ball's about. It's yeah. like Jordan Silk." Mm. You, you look where Jordan Silk's feeling, you go, oh, Sean Abbott's gone slow into the wicket. Uh, you have another look next over when Benny Dorsch is fine. Oh, you're going full and straight. Mm. So you, you just got to, everywhere he is, you know what they're going to bowl. Quick one on Bashir as well, the England, young England spinner that was picked for this one and did okay, held up an end with the bat and obviously bowled pretty well. The story is that Ben Stokes saw highlights of this dude playing county cricket on social media. Not picked him on the basis of that. I'm sure he made a few phone calls and, you know, <laughs> talked to the people in the know. But that was the story that came out. I mean, have you ever heard of anything as loose as that, of, of, of guys being picked on the basis of a bit of vision that you've seen? No. Wouldn't happen, would it, in the professional game? No, Surely. but you can understand. Uh, what he did do, he, he owned the stumps. Mm. He, he's, he's, he's tall, he bowls at the stumps, you get a bit of up and down. It's the same as when you Australia picked Stephen O'Keefe. We're going to Sri Lanka. So sometimes you've got to be brave in their selections. And that's the one thing the England team have done. That 
They mm. won't second guess any selections at the end of this series. Well, as we sit here right now, it's on the cusp of day four. So, Hads, we're going to get into the Silver DeLorean. It's out the back. Marty McFly's waiting for us. We're going to hop in the time machine. Adam Peacock, it's over to you with a review of what happened in this test. Yeah, thanks very much, Adam. You're doing a great job in the studio. Keep it up, mate. But here we are in the future, and uh, it's done. That test match, 3-1 up India hads after, yeah, there were a few shaky moments, but as we said earlier, uh, every ball and event, and it was the case on day four, what in the end proved the difference? The calm head of the young blokes at the end or something else for you? No, I think it was the, the calm head of Schumann Gill um, in the end. I thought he, he his knock under pressure was, was was all class. I thought the captain did a really good job uh, up the top row at Sharma to to set the set the tone and and it looked like at one stage that they're just going to cruise to victory. They they won for eighty one and then then all of a sudden this this England team didn't go away. Um, they took some sharp captures in, in and around the, the bat. They put the pressure on the Indian in batsmen, and they got on a bit of a roll. They, they had India at one stage five for for a hundred, but once again it was the, the young keeper um, Javal that that came out, scored runs under pressure. Um, he was thirty nine not out, but in the end it was it, it was interesting with Ben Stokes Fields at the end. He didn't have a lot of men around the bat where. The majority of his wickets um, came around the the bat. Ollie Pope took a couple of catches. Anderson took a um, absolute screamer off of Joe Root, and, and folks uh, got rid of Rolt Sharma. But uh, yeah, it was in the end. I thought Stokes might have been a little bit more aggressive at, at the end of the game. Really easy for us. I mean, half half a world away. Um, calm heads, not out there in the middle to say should have, could have done this. However. I was sitting 50 runs in with that runway getting shorter all the time for England and it was quite obvious that Jarrell was was comfortable pushing forward and defending and so was Shubman Gill who was really, really patient by his standards that there was no one either offside or onside in front of the bat and, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it might have been the tactic that got them to that point, England, five for 100. But, yeah, is is that one that's easy to get wrong in the heat of the moment or they were just sticking to their plan and, and seeing if that worked? Yeah, I, I think what they were thinking is that the surface was, was going to offer them a, a little bit more than it did. I thought they attacked the stumps hoping they could build dot ball pressure up on Gill, um, one would eventually roll or, or take the surface and, and beat him on the outside. But the one thing both batsmen did really well, really, really well actually, was trust their defence and what you need to do in that situation, you, you need to get them to make a different decision. And sometimes with a, a bat pad offside, it, it, it's it's not so much that he gets the wicket, but it just changes maybe the angle of the bat to try to push it past him and allows that ball to, to skid through the, the gate. But, but both batters um, in the end, uh, after being five for 100, to put on that 50-run partnership, mate, show great character for a couple of players so young. And it's another step forward. We saw a massive step forward for Indian cricket a couple of seasons ago here in Australia when they basically bought their B, if not C, team out and got it done in the middle of COVID. Now, you fast forward to now and no Coley. Bournemouth arrested for this. So arguably, bat and ball, India's two most important players, you could say best. And they're gone and England still can't get it done. It's two young guys Oh, Shubman Gill's a bit more experienced than Jarrell, but they just come into the side, Kale Rahul not available, and they still win. And they're 3-1 up with a chance to win 4-1 in Dharmasala, and you wouldn't count against that with Boomer coming back in. So the depth of Indian cricket, it's like this 
you know, it's this big snowball rolling down the mountain. It's only getting bigger. It's a huge production line. Um, and Jarrell, the, the one thing I liked to, to about his game was they go back to that first innings where where India were in a lot of trouble. Um, he had that good partnership with Kuldeep, and you just mm-hmm. had to listen to Ravi Shastri on commentary. It, and everyone's, <laughs> oh, in, England are right in this game. And all he was saying is just get to 40 runs, just get close to 40, have a lead of 40, watch this Indian team. And, and that's exactly what they did. And that partnership was probably the crucial one. Um, in the end, the, the young keeper had a great game. He got 90 and 39 not out, and uh, he, he was really, really sharp behind the stumps. So, yeah, they just don't go away, this um, this Indian team. But England tried hard. Mm. The surface, once again, I I think brought them into the game a, a little bit. So their, their spinners uh, got, got a lot out of it. But in, in the end, it was, uh, yeah, just the class of India in their conditions. Now, take the emotion out of this next question I'm going to ask you, Hads, if it's possible, and look at it as analytically as possible um, and try not to be dismissive of the question. (laughs) But you can call it the Basball era. I'll call it the current era of England cricket. So 50-over World Cup didn't happen for them. Disaster, in effect. Didn't win the Ashes and got beaten in India. Has the shine gone off the, the amazing start that this era got off to? I take two deep breaths here. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I, I, they've been in every test match uh, oh, probably yeah. not the last test sorry but the, the, they won the, the first one this test that they were in and if a couple of things go their way um, that they win this test match so you've got to remember Australia haven't won for how long over in India it's the hardest place to, to go in the world but what England are doing well oh, there it is hmm. they're trying something different um, they've gone in with a couple of young spinners. Hartley has been outstanding since he's coming into the team. And they're trying something different in these conditions. They're not just going, okay, let's play three fast bowls and a spinner. They've gone in with one quick at times and played the conditions. So, no, their era is not over. They're still trying to win cricket games. And India were just too good on this occasion. But England have found a way to stay in this test match. Geez, that was a man fighting with himself like you would not believe, everyone. If you saw him when he was saying those words that he really did mean, they came from deep within, he got them out in the end. Well done, Hats. Proud of you. Well, to go back to that, though, is India are now unbeaten in the last 17 series at home. Wow. So you've got to be brave the way you played. And England, to their credit, have have tried something different. They've tried to, hmm. to play the conditions. They've tried to, at times, put the pressure back on the um, on the Indian bowlers and, and make their batsmen play from behind the game. That, they were behind the game um, when they had um, when they batted in the first innings. It was just a, a great partnership from the from the tail that got them back into the contest and some um, experienced bowling from Ashwin and, and Cool Deep to to get them back into the game. So. England have been in the contest, and, and that's one of the hardest things to do in, in India. As you said, you, you don't win the last 17 series in a row um, with not, <laughs> without owning your home conditions. Yeah, uh, great test series again, though, involving India and England. And even though it's dead rubber in inverted commas, it will still be well worth watching in just over a week's time, the fifth test between these two. We're off to have a little breather here on Willow Talk. Back in a moment with Hads and DC, and we've got a bumper edition of Rises and Fallers coming your way as well. 
Back with Willow Talk, uh, Dan Christian, also Brad Haddon. Guys, WA, another trophy headed west. The Marsh Cup, third in a row, first team to go uh, three in a row since the great New South Wales side of 2003. Has you were a part of that, I think, back then. All-star lineup, it was. That was when 12 could be picked, not 11 for the game. You could sub in and out. But, uh, guys, what can we say about WA cricket at the moment? DC, over to you first about uh, how good they are. Well, I think that's seven trophies yeah. for Adam Voges in five years. So they're certainly creating a bit of a dynasty over there. And and the main thing about it is I think their depth. They, it doesn't matter who misses out or who's injured. They just mm. keep rolling out someone that, yeah. that is getting the job done for them and, and fitting into the way that they want to play. Just think of the guys that are out of that team at the moment that didn't play in that in that final for them. Stoinis, Green, Agar. Was, oh, Agar was there. Morris. Morris. Uh, Richardson. Ashton Turner's injured. Ashton Turner's um, out. Yeah. They're just, Stoinis they're just, got mentioned twice. He's that good. Yeah, yeah. You can just keep rolling out these Mitch guys Marsh, that, that don't make guys. that, that aren't in yeah. that team. And they've got guys that just keep coming in and, and keep getting the job done. So... Yeah, I think they had all those numbers out and they still had eight of the 11 in Hardy the 11. As well. We missed Hardy, yeah. That played in the Marsh Cup final, have had Australian representation. So, yeah, they've got a lot of depth. But, Hads, this, this game in particular, and for listeners out there who might, you know, be involved in cricket at any level, it was really interesting tactically from my point of view. So, New South Wales were sent in. They only made 169. How both teams went about, firstly, New South Wales defending it and Western Australia, in particular Hilton Cartwright, going after the total. How can you talk to that? It's interesting. I thought New South Wales were in the game, actually, uh, with 169. As silly as that sounds, there was enough in that surface to to offer something to the bowlers. Joel Paris bowled well. He he was another one that hasn't played all year. He's come in and got four wickets. But just watching the way New South Wales play, and, and they've done a really good job, actually, from where they have been over the last couple of years to, to play in the final. So I, I like that they're, they're moving in the right direction, but I just think their game style can be a little bit more dynamic. And, and this is not taken away from what they've done. Like I, I'd like to see, for example, an Ollie Davies bat at three and, and to play a, a similar role to Jake Fraser, to, to go out there, take the game on, take the surface out of the, the equation, put a bit of pressure back on uh, that WA bowls and and Moses, who I think's our our leading run scorer of all time in his form, he he can fix it at four. He mm. he can play whatever role you need to do. Yeah. Our, <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you ha- actually haven't. You, all the caps you've worn in here, I'm surprised the blue one hasn't been one of them. Mate, that's the baggy bag one. Yeah. Every, every day. It's, <laughs> they, they went. They well. It's just a. It's just something little. I, I think. We're brought up in a plane a, 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 where we take the game on. Like, a, and, and Ollie Davies is as good a ball striker as anyone. What, what's the difference between him and Jake Fraser? Yeah, uh, um, at the moment, yes, he's he's played really well, Ollie, in um, the Shield down the order. I just like get, get them guys up the order to to take the game on, and, and don't worry about losing the game and, and try to win it. Here's where I couldn't work out what was going on, DC, with what how New South Wales went about it. They seventy four run <coughs> partnership, Moses and also Ollie. That broke and then they lost. It was a collapse. Whereas you look at what uh, Western Australia did. They got to three for 30. Hilton Cartwright came in. Jackson Bird was giving him all sorts of trouble. But then Hilton obviously decided with all of his experience, no, I'm just going to see this off, get through it, and then accelerate and then wait for the field to kind of open up and take advantage. So when does that come to a cricketer? Because it's obviously it's, it's a hard thing to be born with. We see Cooper Connolly get in, then get out. Ollie Davies got in and then got out. Those two look like brushes of blood, but Hilton went the other way. So in your opinion, where does it 
drop for a cricketer that they have to play not the way that they want to, but the way that the situation dictates. They got through a great spell from Jack Edwards too. Jack Edwards yeah, was yeah. off to a flyer beautifully at the beginning of his spell. And yeah, as you say, Bird was nipping around everywhere. I think just that, probably just being able to to take a step back and see that the ball's probably stopped moving a little bit here. It's actually not nipping around as much as we like. Therefore, we can start playing our shots. And obviously, yeah. you've got to have the experience to be able to, you know, have the balls to be able to change your game and, and then and then go out and, and take the game on. Knowing it was only 100 and... 170 that they were chasing as well. It's not wasn't 250, so mm. it was only going to be maybe one or two overs that were going to completely turn that chase yeah. and put it back in Western Australia's favour. You're right, Hads. It looked like they were well and truly in it yeah. when Green got Connolly, but then yeah, that just that little partnership from from Cartwright and Hobson at the end there, and yeah, as you say, Adam Cartwright, you know, finished with 73 not out off 80 balls and just managed it, just managed it and played his big shots when he had to and. Tanvir Sanger bowled two overs until the last over when he got sent into the bus lane. It was interesting that the way they used him, actually. He's one, we come in for his second spell. They went after him his first two overs, yeah. which you can understand. But he, he came back when the game was over. First ball, he, he, he dropped a court and bowl. So sometimes with those guys, you, you've got to say, okay, I've got to be brave here. I've got, I've got to bowl him. He's going to create wicked mm. opportunities. And, and and you're going to, the only way you're going to win that game is you're not going to defend that total. You're going to have to, to bowl WA out. So, yeah, there, there's a few things. They've, they've done well, um, New South Wales. They've, they've come from a pretty dark place to to where they are at the moment. We, we were bottom of, of um, the shield and I think the one days over the last couple of years. So they're building. But I'd just like to see them now take it on more. Take the game on. Let let these Davies and, and guys like that just, like, go after the game. Even um, young Edwards, the way he got out, I don't mind that he got caught at backward mm. square, but get caught at deep backward square trying to put it into the jail. Yeah. Go, go after it. That's your role. Daniel Hughes is a banker. He is statistically the best player we've ever had in this form of the game. He, he'll control the, the rest of the game. You, you've got Ollie can go to number three. You can take it on. You, Moses can bat in, in different roles. I just like to see him be a, a, a bit more dynamic. You're, uh, you're not listening to the Blues podcast, by the way. You are listening to Willow Talk, which <laughs> uh, is primarily focused on all of Australia and those and hello to those on the other side of the Nullarbor as well. It, I mean, no one in Perth will say this, in WA will say this, the Marsh Cup, is it relevant these days? But where where's its place, DC? You, is it still a valuable resource for Australian cricket in terms of developing cricketers in, in all formats? I think it is. Yeah, mm. I loved I loved playing Marsh Cup. When I was Marsh Cup, when I was coming through, obviously the big bashes is, is a little bit bigger now than it was when when I started as well. But yeah, Australia's just won the World Cup. I think it's a really important competition for us to to be. You know, playing every team's always played a couple of youngsters in it, and, mm. and you yeah. know it's where you learn to ply your trade in the first class system. I think. And good, the good people of Marsh who sponsor the competition. If you can just please bring back the sign. We brought it up yesterday on the coverage on Fox Cricket. Bring back the sign just for a little bit of spark about it. You know? Mate, you do not need any more spark when you hit the ball <laughs> over Deep Cow. <laughs> and the first thing Stuart Clark says is watch out for the King Browns. <laughs> 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 Mate. Yeah. yeah, well, 
I'll get to that in Rise and Fall. So I'll, I'll get to, I'll get to that. Um, the WNCL as well. The final was on Saturday, and Tasmania completed a hat trick of women's titles with a six wicket win over Queensland. Queensland made two uh, eight for two forty eight batting first. So fair old target for Tassie to chase down Charlie Knott seventy three. Heather Graham though three for thirty nine. In reply, Nicola Carey scored an unbeaten one hundred and eleven. Graham all round superb game sixty three. And um, Kerry actually gave up her national contract to get more consistent game time rather than be off the Aussie bench. And um, that's kind of paid off. It's, it's a huge sacrifice when you think about it. But instead of not playing cricket, playing cricket, it's pretty clear thinking. Well, it is clear thinking. There's, there's a couple of ways to look at that. I, I know um, when we toured a lot, we used to bring a, a young player at the time to uh, – Mitchell Stark was one of them – to to give them a look at what the standard was around training, the behaviours you needed to, seeing that with Morris uh, over this summer. And for Kerry to say, you know what, I've seen what it's all about. I'm on the bench a lot. It's a star-studded team. Mm. And to go back now, because there's other opportunities you've got to remember now in the women's game. They, they need to be putting big numbers uh, up like this with the, the 111 because there's opportunities in the 100. There's the women's IPL now. So she wants to be playing and, and putting a name up in lights to play all those tournaments. How hard is it when you, you, you've got a decision to make like that? Do I drop down a rung to play or do I stay with the elite group to, you know, further myself that way? Yeah, that's a huge decision yeah. and, and good honour for, for taking the risk and then having the success after doing it. It's um, a pretty big call. Mm. I, don't, I don't think I would have done it. <laughs> I don't think I would have either. <laughs> Quite sure of it, actually. Risers and fallers. Let's get to it right now. Riser, Brennan Julian. It's on the rundown, and I love this term. Thank you, Sammy, as well. Brendan Julian's sick burn on New Zealand, just as a an idea, New Zealand, as a notion. Kiwi commentators were drooling over uh, Spencer Johnson's IPL price tag, and BJ just says, well, he got $1.78 million in the auction. What's that over here? About $5 million? <laughs> So just a little whack at the true value of, in the context of the rest of the world on New Zealand. So there you go. Um <laughs> And another riser, <laughs> Elisa Healy sharing the stage with uh, rival captain uh, Harmanpreet Kaur at the launch of the Women's Premier League in India. There's all big song and dance as they do over there. They're having a great time. But it's good to see. This is, this is the player which our beloved captain had issues with in the recent series, like, um, you know, just not doing the Surah of Ganguly at the toss and making a weight and doing all kinds of things and putting pressure, trying to put off a game. Look like they've, they've, they've got on with things, which is good to see. Well, it looks like Heels is understanding the IPL. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to say, it's amazing what a bit of cash does to your relationship with people. Smart woman. <laughs> She's a smart woman. Anyway, uh, the fallers. Now, okay. I'm not having a go at Swifties. If you have a go, tell us, I'm walking out. <laughs> no, I think it's wonderful that people find joy in such things. However, they made it harder to, than it needed to be for WA. Maybe you organised this you know, to make it harder for them to get to I'll see Sydney. why this happened. Yeah. So just a quick one. If you don't know the story, they couldn't get direct flights Perth to Sydney, so they had to go via all, all ports to try and get here. They had to get separate flights and everything, the squad, WA, to get to Sydney for the final. Well, there's never a true word spoken. You get your baggy blue and your baggy green <laughs> comes with it. And everyone wants to be a blue bagger, even uh, Taylor. There you go. AJ Ty suggested Taylor <laughs> send, send a private jet to pick them up and that did not happen because Travis Kelsey got the private jet in and then out of Sydney. Oh. So there you go. I've got another faller, guys. I don't know if you've got any risers, by the way. Have you got any one you'd like to large up here or we cover it there with uh, 
BJ and, and Hills. I think we did. Um, I've got a faller though. Time limits on games when there's still sunlight. I don't get it. The T20 at, in Auckland became a T10 by virtue of the fact that we woke up a couple of uh, months ago and said, no, that's the time frame for it. Cut off of, I don't know what it was over there, 4 p.m. local time or 5 p.m. local time. We can't go past this. There's two hours of sunlight left. I'm T- just TV. So what? Games go to extra time all the time. Like, let them play at least 15, and if not 20. We waited around. Here we go back to IPL stories. Yeah, we no. waited around one night. <laughs> More the better. In Calcutta for a game until midnight. Yeah. And then they eventually decided to call the game off and we were still going to play a full-length game. The reason it got called off is because the ground was flooded because there was a monsoonal downpour. But yeah. no time limits over there. So what, you would have played until Full 3 game, o'clock in the morning? Starting at, starting at midnight. Starting at midnight. Yeah. Jeez, overrate would have been quick to get yeah. it back at the hotel. but Exactly. Exactly. But the same thing with, can the, be done. with the Big Bash. I don't understand why we, we – like, we're not even allowed to take drinks around to the blokes on the fence these days or or take gloves out because, you know, we're worried about, worried time, about limit. time limits. But time. just – It's the same actually in kids' cricket. I, I've watched recently that you're not allowed to go and talk to your, your mate – well, when you walk out to bat. Remember you used to walk out and the, the non-striker walk up to you and say, mate, you're in some trouble. This guy's bowling fast. <laughs> <laughs> now you're not even allowed to talk to him. Yeah. Guys, time is infinite. It's never going to stop. So just utilise it properly. You know, we want to watch some cricket. We don't want to have to watch it because, oh, we have to pay the security guards an extra hour or something like that. Anyway, a uh, little gripe of mine. Sorry, I'm glad I got it off my chest. This is cathartic, <laughs> this particular podcast. And another one for you, another faller. Building a... State-of-the-art, multi-multi-million-dollar cricket centre, and I know real estate's hard to come by in Sydney, but building it, it seems, right in the middle of a reptile park because the snake pit where Ollie Davies sent his six, that was uh, – I don't know why those guys went in there and had a look for that ball, but I would have thought that maybe a little clearing can go on um, before we continue with some cricket out at Cricket Central in Sydney because that looked dicey. Brown snakes everywhere, DC. Well, maybe put a net up or something like that. I'm not sure, Hads. I think they're going to build another ground right next to it yep. there yeah. eventually. Maybe have a clearing. And and yeah. it will be clear. A little working bee to get rid of all the weeds. Yeah, maybe there's... Um, From the reptile park. Yeah, maybe there's a maybe there's a few greenies that have been over there and said don't get rid of the... Don't get rid of the mm. habitats. Oh, you would go and plant some trees elsewhere. Have you ever played a game out at... Um, what's Blacktown's home ground? Joe McAleer. Joe McAleer, yeah. I remember coming back from an Australian game and thought, yeah, I'll play great, I'll have a hit. But I didn't take the gloves and I was feeling on the boundary. And I could hear something in the covers. I think I might have told you this before. I'm thinking, what's that? And the groundsman's walked around. I said, mate, what's that noise? He goes, mate, every time we pull these covers up, there's brown snakes. And I said, beg your pardon. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and it was right behind me. So what I did, I just walked to slip halfway through the over. (laughs) Sorry. And they said, what are you doing? I said, I've never done this and used the seniority before, but I ain't not going out to Backwood Square. Mate, I've seen Doug Bollinger at the same ground in a trial match. A snake went across the ground, brown snake. So he chased it and herded it off. <laughs> he said, Doug, what are you doing? He goes, oh, how good was that? We're going, everyone else was at the end of the ground. But, uh, yeah, have you ever, you would have, growing up in the country, you would have seen a snake come across the ground? Never in a cricket game. No. No, no. I had seen lots on golf courses, but but never seen one on a. Yeah. The golf courses you play, there's a lot of good golf balls in the bush up there because no one wants to go in there. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the, the other one I had was out at um, near Parramatta. Is it uh, Wentworthville? Mm. So I'm just walking around um, enjoying my ice cream, watching the kids cricket, and I had to jump the fence just to walk a little 
a couple of metres to keep walking around the ground. Anyway, I jumped and right there, about half a metre was a snake. I reckon I backflipped over <laughs> and everyone's playing cricket and you see this bloke running. <laughs> Mate, I need him a shovel. Any fallers? Are we done? No. We're good. We're all happy today. There you go. So later in the week, uh, we're going to be back with Michael Kasparis. He's going to join us ahead of the New Zealand tour and uh, Hads is going to tell some tour tour stories of New Zealand. This should be fun as well. DC, thanks for dropping in. We'll have you back real soon. Thanks for having me, boys. um, Look forward to going into that bank of IPL stories over the next couple of months too. That will be fun. Hads, thank you. See you later in the week and thank you for listening to this episode of Willow Talk. Catch you soon.